You're listening to the Weed Smart Podcast, where each fortnight we chat about dealing with those pesky weeds. Welcome to another week of the Weed Smart Podcast. I'm joined by my co-host, Peter Newman, and we've got a really exciting podcast for you today because we've got all the interviews that I did in Emerald at the Weed Smart Week event last week. So we're going to have a few packages for you to listen to from various presenters and attendees of the event, so that's going to be really fun. But firstly, Pete, how are you going? Yeah, I'm great, Jess. How are you? I'm good. Busy month for everyone. Everyone's yeah. full steam ahead. And we did just have the glyphosate webinar yesterday that you helped facilitate. How did that go, Pete? Yeah, it was really great, Jess. We had, I think, uh, well, it was a couple of hundred people uh, listening in, which is a big webinar for us. And then we'll put the recording up on the website. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, Matthew Cozzi was sick at the last minute. Uh, and we were uh, very lucky to have uh, Carissa Buckland uh, from Bayer step in. And she did a fantastic job. And yeah, we had a lot of great questions come in, so I really recommend people to have a listen to that. If you want to know what's going on in all of that world of glyphosate with all the litigation and so on, it was a really good balanced information session about that. Excellent. And yeah, so great to see so many people online listening in. But if you did miss out, I know that a few people had emailed Drew and said that they weren't available at that time. The webinar recording is up on the Weed Smart website now. You can just head to from the homepage, head uh, to resources and under webinars, you'll find it. It's up there for you to watch. And But we've got a really big podcast today for the listeners, all about Emerald Weed Smart Week. And we're hearing from a range of people. Pete. Up first, we're going to hear from Andrew and Jossie Bates, who are, of course, the owners of Swarm Farm Robotics. And that was part of our Weed Smart Week Emerald event where we went out to Swarm Farm itself and saw some of the robotics in action. And they also had a great display of uh, the evolution of all their machinery for everyone to go and have a tinker around and look at, which was awesome. Now, what are your thoughts on all the robotics stuff? It all seems to be kind of ramping up more and more, doesn't it, Pete? Yeah, it seems like we're right on the cusp, doesn't it? And... Uh uh, the guys at Swarm Farm have been chipping away at it for a few years. They've just about reinvented the tractor, Jess, and, yeah. uh, and you got to see it firsthand. I haven't, but yeah, we can see that something is coming there. Swarm Farm is one option, and I'm sure there'll be others, and uh, it is it is exciting times, and I really think, uh, I hope it leads to farmers getting better quality of life out of it, getting a bit more sleep, for example, yes, would be definitely. a really good outcome. Yeah, that was a few of the comments, actually, from the day was, okay, this all seems great, but what about jobs? And I, I said, oh, well, I think we'll have to just, instead of fearing it, we just need to reimagine where people's time can be spent to benefit the business more rather than fearing this new technology and how it could change your, your work day from having to, you know, potentially do spraying and, and harvest at all hours of the day and night and maybe, yeah, just restructuring how you actually spend your day. So, yeah, hopefully nothing to fear there. I think that it's all positive. We just need to kind of put our thinking caps on around some of those work roles and how that might work in the future. But Pete, before we get into this interview, I did just want to say we do have another Weed Smart Week event next week. We're going to be in Horsham from next Tuesday. And so we're releasing this podcast on Friday, which is uh, quite a bit earlier than the normal Wednesday published date. And we want to do that to give people who are thinking about going to Horsham the opportunity to hear about how much of a great event Emerald Weed Smart Week was. And so they can get the opportunity to really uh, commit and get their tickets and come next week week because you're going to be there, Kiralee and Greg Condon are going to be there, it's going to be a big event uh, in Horsham isn't it Pete? Yeah, really looking forward to it Jess, we've got a great agenda and it's not a, like, the great thing about 
Weed Smart Week is, sure, we have science, but it's not the standard update of lots of researchers presenting the latest trial data. It is really practical. It's lots of agronomists and farmers presenting, and then we see some really good things on farm. So really practical, really hands-on stuff that people can use straight away. So, uh, yeah, really, I really look forward to these events for exactly that reason. Yeah, okay. Well, let's hear it from Andrew and Josie Bates and hear what they have to say. This is uh, them at Swan Farm Robotics on the uh, Weedsmart Emerald, the field day. So let's take a listen. I'm standing here with Andrew. We've just had a bit of a demonstration of one of the Swan Farm robots and nice uh, question and answer session as well there, Andrew. Can you just give a little bit of context around what we saw in the demo and what you talked about? Yeah, so look, this is one of our commercial robots of our new release machines. Um, we've got five of these out now and, and we're starting to deliver these to farmers around Australia. This one's been set up with a Weed IT spot sprayer on board, so it's got a 1,000 litre tank, it's on 3 metre centres um, and it's got a 12 metre boom. It's based here and it's just working on a three-week cycle, spot spraying weeds, um, mixing up modes of action and um, in a winter fallow. Yeah, cool. And there was quite a few questions around the weight of the machine and the future of the machine. What sort of uh, options are people going to have with these uh, robots in the future? What's the plans? You look, they really are an open open platform. You can fit whatever technology you want. Um, we don't build the tools and the attachments that go on board. We just help integrate them. So our base product is, is, is the actual robot platform itself. To date, we've actually got three applications out there that farmers can get now. So we've got mow, spread and spray. We've got orchardists out there that have got, our, got the slashes on the back. Um, we've got turf farms that are using the mowers. We've got orchards now that are starting to work with the air blast sprays for doing orchard spraying. We've got the weed IT spot sprayers and, and also blanket sprayers as well. So look, um, you know, it's, 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 it's actually autonomous farming is becoming real now. It's actually available in Australia and yes, it's early days, but you know, people are starting to adopt this technology. Yeah, it's really exciting and yeah, it's so cool to be able to see it in action. Uh, there was a few questions around legislation and how that will happen in the future and you commented on that. Can you just give us a bit of context on what you think your place will be in that in the future? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, autonomous machines have been working on farms now for years and years and years. You know, travelling irrigators, centre pivots, lateral moves and, and travelling sprinklers have been running, you know, at similar speeds and, and unmanned on farms for years. So sometimes it's over-stigmatised that a new piece of technology new when actually that practice has been happening for quite a while. I think we're very lucky in Australia. We've got a strong ag tech community here and we've got really adoptive farmers here in Australia. I mean, Australian farmers are well recognised to be some of the most innovative farmers in Australia. So it's the ideal place to deliver new technology, new farming techniques, you know, like autonomous farming. And, um, you know, I think we've got the opportunity here to show the rest of the world how this technology can be adopted. And, and that goes everything from the legislation and, and the insurance and the things that go with it. And, uh, you know, here in Australia, we, we operate and we've got, we operate under legislation and we operate with insurance as well and it's going to be a you know I think what we'll do here is be able to show the rest of the world how this tech can successfully be used so I think it's a great opportunity. It's very cool and people also were asking around the benefits of using a machine like this compared to conventional machinery can you just run us through some of those benefits? Yeah I mean you know everyone's running around with big machines now 24, 36, 48 metre booms you know, 6,000 litre tanks aren't uncommon nowadays and there's tanks pushing 10,000 litres. You know, our machines are lightweight and small and slow moving and, you know, if you want to do, you know, everyone's been thinking about how many acres I can do in a day. If you want to do that, get a big machine. 
What we're more interested in is how many passes we can do in one season because our robots are continuously out there working. So that gives us more opportunities to put more mixes into the brew in terms of rotations and more modes of actions and, and more double knocks. And it means that we can start bringing better practices into farming and, and particularly weed control because if you're in the paddock more often, you can time your applications better. And, you know, I know myself from my own farm, I can kill Rhodes grass with glyphosate if I spray it when it's small. If I let it get to a crown or, or, or a bigger plant, I can't kill it. So by doing more passes in one season, I can actually control that Rhodes grass with the chemistry I've already got just by using it you know, more intelligently. Yeah, the sky's the limit. And another one of the questions that has been coming up around the robot is what the arrangement is if someone wants to acquire one. Can you just run us through how you get your hands on one? Yeah, look, we build the robots. We don't build the attachments that go on board. So, um, you know, in terms of the weed IT booms, they're available through croplands and, and manufactured by Ceres in Toowoomba. But the actual robot itself goes out on a uh, three-year operating lease. It's a three-year commitment for a robot and it's comprehensively backed by us over that three-year period. So we we do all repairs and, and maintenance except for oil changes and tyre changes. Farmer has to do those, but everything else is comprehensively covered by us. And, you know, it's new technology and it means that, you know, farmers know that they've got a product that's, that's going to, you know, work for the three years and at the end of three years it will be obsolete. It's like the early, you know, the early smartphones and even the early Beeline navigators that came out. In three years' time they're completely obsolete yeah. and, and, and valueless. Well, you know, in three years' time this technology will be even better and we'll have new models of robots to to make sure that our early adopters are kept up to date with the latest technology. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for having us and putting on the demonstration and giving us some more information. Really appreciate it. No worries at all. Thank you. I'm standing with Jossie here. We've just had a demo and a bit of a presentation on the uh, bots here, but we're going to find out a little bit more about the background of how Swarm Farm started. Can you just give us a little bit of a, a bit of context around how it all began? Yep. So Andrew and his family have been farming here for many years, and um, I've you know family farm and best practice, you know, control traffic, zero till, and those kind of things. But what when I came to farming, and I haven't been farming that long, our spray reef was sort of seven tonne, now it's over 20-something tonne. <laughs> you know, like in the damage that's causing to our paddock, we've got some country with a bit of slope on it. So, you know, those tram tracks actually become like little mini rivers. Yeah. So, And, you know, the herbicide resistance is a huge issue. You know, the last three days you've heard all about that and mixing up the chemistry and what we can do to change our farming practices. So I think all our machinery just got bigger and we just felt so limited but what we can do so we actually thought well why big like why can't we go small slow down make it more precise and it allows other tools and attachments you know like the chipper that we'll see in a minute which is awesome and the microwave units and there's so many other things that are coming through so it's exciting and so what was the process like of getting it off the ground well, we sort of thought at the beginning we'd had to, um, we went through an ARC linkage grant, which was fantastic. We thought go into the university sector because that's where research happens. Quite quickly we worked out that we actually wanted to have boots on the ground. We were going to set up our engineers when we started in the university sector um, and just fly them up when we needed and very quickly we realised they actually have to be feet in the soil, yeah. <laughs> not in the air-conditioned office but out in the paddock because that's where the real stuff happens. Like As farmers we know that you know they can run it in simulation and up in the office but you know when they're doing software releases they actually have to get out in the paddock and see what it's doing so it's been really key for us to keep it real and our engineers are varied in their backgrounds but very important that they all get in the paddock and see how it's going. 
Yeah, and the ones that we've heard speak, we had Tom Holcomb speaking today, very, yep. very passionate, very. and so it all seems to be going well. Yeah, it's brilliant. Love to see guys, you know, grow up, you know, in the rural industry and then go away and study and then come back to the industry they love. But it, they don't have to have rural backgrounds, of course. Like, everyone's different backgrounds as far as mechatronics or software or... And it takes the whole team and their piece of the puzzle to come together. So we're really lucky. We've got a very passionate team and I'm super proud of them. Yeah, it's awesome. And we were lucky to have you come along to our forum day as well. I was wondering what you thought of the forum day. It was brilliant, like very practical. And it's been uh, like a quite a while since I've been to such a practical day. I was really impressed with all your speakers and the involvement. I thought, you know, and a, a lot of growers here, like I'm very impressed by that. I think it can be hard to get growers out the front gate sometimes and I'm really impressed by that. Well done. Yeah, awesome. And was there anything that stood out in particular that you took note of during the day? I was probably the wrong person to go because I'm not the agronomist and it was very practical. I really, for me, I do need to sort of pull back in here, those kind of things, how the weed IT units. And the, basically, we talk about it a lot, it's changing the agronomy. And that's why we've got so many agronomists coming to us because they really get what we're trying to do. And it's changing the farming practices and putting other things into the mix. So it was really good for me to go along. Yep. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Josie. And yeah, thank you for having us on the property. Thank you very much. Thanks for coming. Thank you so much to Andrew and Josie Bates there for giving up their time for Weed Smart Week Emerald and letting us all come out to Swarm Farm Robotics and, and see the machinery in action. That was so great and also excellent for them to give more time to also be on the podcast. We really appreciate it. But we're going to move right along because we've got a lot to get through, Pete. Next, we're going to hear from Hannah Murphy, Evan Shannon and Simon Green. And they're a diverse range of people who attended the event. So Hannah Murphy, she's from Radical Seeds, Evan Shannon, he's an agronomist and works in that sugarcane growing area. And Simon Green is a grower who attended the event, and it's so fantastic that we got such a wide array of people. There was other industry people there, of course, as well. Yeah, it's always such a, a mixed bag, and a, a lots of people who are involved in agriculture come along, which is very important and exactly what we want for We Smart Week, isn't it? Absolutely, Jess. Look, diversity is the word, isn't it? <laughs> it is. You have found the most diverse people. Queensland's a diverse place because there is a, a huge range of crops and rainfall zones and so on. And then, jeepers, you've found some di- a diverse range of people here to interview, all of which really got a lot out of Weed Smart Week and they were from very different walks of life. So uh, credit to you for uh, getting that range of interviews yeah. and, and really grateful for these people for sharing their, their stories. All right, let's take a listen to the package. I'm standing here with Hannah. We're going to find out a bit more about her in a minute. And we've just watched a roller demonstration, short but sweet. Hannah, tell us your full name first and where you're from. Um, So, Hannah Murphy, and I'm sort of flying the flag for both Radical Seeds Australia and Murphy Farming. You wouldn't know it because you've got a lot of Radical Seeds attire on. (laughs) You're looking very sharp. Now, you were at the forum day yesterday. Firstly, what did you get out of yesterday? I learnt quite a bit. I am not hugely familiar with chemical usage because our home farm is organic so I was quite excited when I saw a chemical that I recognized (laughs) but yeah look hugely different from organics management practices and it's just very good to have that broad knowledge across the industry. Yeah, so tell us a little bit more about your um, your farming background and Radical Seeds to give a bit of background on your situation. So Murphy Farming, we specialise in organically grown cereals. So 
At this stage, we're looking more at the ancient and heritage wheat varieties, and we sell predominantly to whole grain milling. So we've got a bit of a thing going with them where we're just trying to get that higher quality seed that can go to their mill and it's pretty much used for a lot of gluten intolerance and sensitivity because it's at this stage we're thinking it's a different gluten structure so yeah we're dabbling in that and Radical Seeds Australia it's good story essentially a bunch of farmers were just a bit annoyed with the sort of seed gap that was in the central Queensland area and we wanted to try and fix it so a bunch of farmers decide that we're going to start a hybrid sorghum seed and company and that's sort of where we've begun and we're slowly getting there just a bit more momentum and we're hoping to release more regionally specific varieties in the near future. That's very cool and so in terms of weed control what do you guys use being an organic system? So predominantly we try like it's a lot of it's tillage but yeah we try and sort of utilize the weeds to our advantage in the way that you're sort of trying to get organic matter back into the soil so yeah you sort of just try and play your cards that way molasses is something that can be used at times just to get boost a bit of microbial activity and if you put it on at a decent rate then a lot of your plants don't really like it either so it's good weed management yeah very cool and was there anything that really stood out for you yesterday at the forum day like a lot of the drone technology is like i think that is definitely a way for the future and it can be used with different soil types and fertilizing and like all of that sort of stuff so i think yeah it'll be interesting to see where that goes into the future Was there any technology that you could see maybe adapted in your farming systems? Yeah, definitely. Look, a lot of the mapping and probably soil quality sort of stuff, like I know in our country we've got better soils than others and if there's a way that we can somehow map it and improve our less better soils, um, (laughs) just, yeah, it should be, like, it would really bring up the farm efficiency, really. Yeah, awesome. And what about today? We've only seen a couple of farms so far, but what have you taken out of the day so far for day two? It's been really good to see sort of more practical applications of weed management. So it was really good to see Don Sampson's property and how he's created that plough. Like that's definitely something that we could use in organic farming. And yeah, just those different management things. And like even here with the roller, that's something that could be, I know dad's looked into so like it's all viable and like bits and pieces from properties that you can see you can put into your own management system yeah it makes you think doesn't it yes definitely <laughs> all right well thank you so much hannah really appreciate it <laughs> thank you uh, evan shannon from pharmacist in the burdekin thanks for having a chat with me evan what sort of farming system firstly and where are you based because you've come a bit of a distance to the event today yeah we've come down from the burdekin which is a seven hour drive obviously we're dominated by sugar but obviously the problems that, that these guys have got with resistance in weeds, you know, we've got some similar problems and it's great to see how people are addressing those issues in, in another environment, a very different environment, mind you, but still the concepts are the same. Yeah, lots of opportunity to learn from others. But firstly, before we get into sort of what you're seeing at the event today, I, don't, I think you might be the first sugar person we've had on the podcast, which is very exciting for me and uh, for all of us at Weed Smart. Can you just tell us a little bit more about your farming system firstly? 
Okay, so I'm an agronomist who works with a whole range of farmers. So from uh, from guys running 120 hectares up to you know three and a half thousand hectares, uh, but all irrigation. And so obviously their their issues are a little bit different. I mean their cost structures are different. You know it's all about power, fertilizer, harvesting. Are they big 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 issues? But but in the weed control systems that we we're dealing with, I, I think we can improve, and uh, and I think we can pick up some lessons from what these guys are going through. Yeah. Okay. So, what sort of weed control measures are farmers in that in that region using at the moment? Well, a lot of us are, you know, we're using chemicals. Most of us use chemicals. We use some tillage strategically, but our problems have come about where we've gone actually into other crops, not sugar, but we've gone into, you know, some of the legume crops, and uh, and also uh, there's been rice and maize as well grown in as well. But really, it's dominated by sugar. The other crops aren't alternative; they're just little complementary crops. The legumes got a better fit with us, so we can actually take uh, you know cane out, say now, a little bit earlier than normal, and we can plant mung beans or, or you know even a month ago they're planting soybeans, and then soybeans again in summer. We have some other issues though because we've got too many damn legumes coming in, and uh, and that's a concern. And I also raised the issue yesterday with group B's. You know, we're using group B's for weed control in our trash blanketed cane areas not where I come from but from other areas and then we're going back with legumes with you know also group B's like spinnaker etc so with, there's some real issues to deal with there and I don't think we've addressed them yet. Okay yeah and you were mentioning just before when we were having a chat with Don Sampson about uh, their weed control measures they're using you mentioned about you know runoffs being an issue for you and you mentioned to be aware of that in this region as well can you just uh, give some context on that commentary? These guys here are 300 k's from the sea. We're farming 10 k's, 20 k's, 30, 40 k's from the Great Barrier Reef. So it's a different animal, really. But you know, we've been very to the forefront, I guess, of of looking at some of the products that we've been using. And if we can use a product that is uh, is less damaging to the marine environment, and uh, and yeah, we'll go with that. And so there's been a big push from an extension point of view to to moving towards pentamethylene rather than metallochlor. Metallochlor runs off a lot more. And it's about three times more dangerous to the marine environment. So, yeah, there's been a change of products and we've been at the forefront of that, I guess. Um, and the farmers, yeah, there's been quite a big uptake. And, and also diaron, we've been trying to get out of diaron and, and use alternative products like metribuzin. Yeah, okay, cool. And yeah, really good opportunities to be able to share that information because like you said, it's a little bit of a different situation for farmers being out here further away from the coast, but it is something to consider. What were some of the driving factors for you coming to the event yourself today? Oh, well, I, I guess, you know, you know, as a kid, I, I was brought up not far from here. I went to Capella State School for a couple of years before we drew a block yeah, in the southern Briglow country. It's a long time ago. So, yeah, just a, a, bit, a bit of nostalgia, I, I guess, as well, as well as looking at some of the weed control issues which uh, we may have to deal with ourselves. Yeah, so what, what are some of the things that you're thinking about in the, into the future in your region that you're, you're concerned about? Uh, well, we had some good networking yesterday. Some of the guys in DAF, Michael Widrick and his crew, I, I think we need to be getting some seeds down to them. I think we've got resistance to glyphosate with a number of uh, plants, which we really haven't you know, addressed. We need to be working with them, I think. Yeah, it's a great opportunity to network as well and catch up with some of these people which I hadn't seen for 30 or 35 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thank you so much for having a chat with me. I hope you enjoy the day. Yeah, thank you very much for the opportunity to speak. I'm chatting here with Simon Green. We're at uh, Reese Daniels' property. Firstly, Simon, can you give us a little bit of background on uh, where you're from and your farming system? Yeah, so Theodore in central Queensland, a family-operated farm there. We have... 
both dry land cultivation and, and irrigation. Uh, the irrigation's farming systems based around cotton and the dry land, yeah, just all your grains and a little bit of dry land cotton if we can fit into the system. Yeah, very cool. And what motivated you to come to Weed Smart Week this year? Well, look, I think as, as with everyone here, we're getting more and more concerned about developing resistance and, uh, yeah, just trying to, I guess, get ideas of how to keep grains industry sustainable. Zero till and minimum till and, yeah, also just... Um, get a better understanding of, of uh, residual herbicides uh, in fallows and how it might be able to benefit our systems. Yeah, cool. And so let's talk a little bit more about your farming system before we get into your experience of Weed Smart Week so far. What kind of weed control tactics are you using on your farm at the moment? Pretty basic, trying to run a full zero till dry land operation. So just the standard fallow sprays, there's, there's no real residuals in the system aside from in-crop. So, you know, we're, we're facing challenges with feathertop roads, grass control, I guess that's, a, that's our biggest biggest challenge at the moment. And with the irrigation, it's, it's Roundup Ready Cotton, so obviously Roundup is our main chemical in-crop, but yeah, moving more towards residuals there as well, in-crop. Okay, and so with the forum day yesterday, what did you take away from the day? What, what were some of the highlights for you? I really found it interesting just hearing about other chemical control options other than Roundup, especially double knocks and a lot of the chemicals that um, were spoken about are things that I haven't heard about, to be honest. So I guess leaving a little bit of confidence that we can put it through our camera sprayer and and have a better understanding of a few, few options. And yeah, the, I guess the, the big six, yeah, looking at it as a approach, you know, taking into consideration a range of different control options and yeah I guess taking away I'm going to have to do a fair bit of thinking of how we can fit it all in because there's so many great ideas and obviously we've got to fit it into the farming system we've got but look at definitely leaving here with greater knowledge and um, about what we can do that's for sure. Yeah well we only launched the summer big six uh, at the forum day yesterday officially so definitely yeah have some time to mull over it and have a look because yeah it's fresh off the press. Were there any other tactics or technology that got you interested yesterday? Any of the speakers that kind of really spoke to you and technology you think you might consider in the future? Yeah probably what caught my attention was Jeremy from in farm in farm yeah this is that technology of being able to fly a drone over a fallow and you know, basically create a prescription map of the weeds and put it through our existing systems so to me that makes more sense than, than buying you know a, a broad acre self-propelled sprayer or a, you know, a camera sprayer if we can run it through our existing systems like i think once that technology improves like, there'd be a lot greater uptake and the efficiencies like, i think they were talking to 95% efficiency increases. Yeah, lots of interesting things yesterday, lots to think about. Now, we've only been to two farms so far for the day, but what have you thought so far of what we've seen? A bit surprised by the emphasis on both farms of uh, more of a minimum tillage approach. So it's going against where we thought we'd be 10 years ago, but obviously very innovative growers. So uh, it's all interesting and there seems to be improvements in yield and at the end of the day, it's the bottom line that counts. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for having a chat with me. Really appreciate it. And good to be able to get some central Queensland growers talk on the podcast because, yeah, that's been a really good opportunity to meet everyone and hear more about your farming systems. No worries. Thank you.
thank you very much to all those attendees who uh, let me chase them down in the field and get some interviews. It can always be a little bit intimidating, but I really appreciate it when people do agree to come on because it is a bit nerve-wracking and, yeah, not really what you, what you were expecting on the day. So, I really appreciate that. And, Pete, really interesting to hear from Hannah Murphy there who comes from an organic farming background and, and kind of just really demonstrates the fact that Weed Smart does provide practical solutions for both conventional and uh, non-conventional farming practices, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely, Jess, and I think we can really learn a lot from organic farmers. You know, obviously tackling herbicide resistance, we're trying to use diverse range of tools and herbicide and non-herbicide, and clearly organic farming focuses on a lot of those non-herbicide tools. So I was really interested to hear what Hannah had to say, and I think we could learn you know, continue to learn from organic farmers in the future. Yeah, definitely. Okay, and we've got another package coming up next. We're halfway through now. There's four packages in total, so all really interesting interviews. So hopefully this longer podcast is serving you well. We're going to hear from some of the presenters next. So Reese Daniels, Sam Bradford, Matt Anning and Don Sampson, all excellent and so grateful for their contribution to Weed Smart Week Emerald. Uh, anything that stood out for you from this package, Pete? I really did like hearing about that 70-foot blade plant, Jess. It <laughs> yeah. sounds like quite a machine. I uh, obviously <laughs> didn't get to see it in person, but, uh, yeah, that was uh, that sounds like it, it was really, really interesting. And, People got uh, excited. Obviously a non-herbicide tool that's yeah. uh, killing weeds in tough conditions. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's take a listen to the package. I'm standing here with Reese Daniels. We're at his property in Teresa Downs and we've just heard him give a bit of a presentation on his farming system and we've also had a bit of a demonstration of the roller. Can you just give us a bit, bit of context around your farming system first for the listeners? We're minimum till farmers. We grow wheat, chickpea, sorghum, mung beans and sunflowers. We're predominantly summer crop growers if we can but the last few years have been more winter crop. What are you using for weed control? Uh, well, for weed control we... we um, some of the things we're doing differently, we've um, increased our uh, spraying capacity with two spray rigs now, trying to get thing, get on the things earlier and, and uh, also use higher water rates and, and slow the actual spray rigs down so that they, they're not doing as many acres in a day, but there's two of them now, so it's, uh, it's more efficient. Yeah, awesome. And we've seen the roller today, you've brought that out. Can you explain its place in your farming system? Well, the roller uh, was has a few purposes. Mainly we got it for rolling uh, pulse crops to um, make harvestability a lot better, just to um, level the paddocks out, get rid of all the, knock all the black soil down so we've got no soil in the in the sample at harvest time and also to, to, to knock any objects like sticks or rocks into the ground and get them out of the road. The other purpose that we have it for is it's like press wheels behind our conventional planters. Rather than try and put gangs of press wheels on, on them, we've just got a roller. Yeah, awesome. Now, thinking about the big six, you've kind of mentioned a bit of your, your weed control just earlier there. Are you doing crop competition at all, or the, what other big six tactics are you using on your farm? Well, we, yes, uh, crop competition is certainly one of them. We've gone back to nine-inch narrow rows on wheat and on mung beans. We're not against going a nine-inch on, on uh, chickpeas, but we haven't done it yet. Our nine-inch planter is a conventional planter. It's not zero-till. Uh, that, that's a problem. If I could find a zero-till planter that wasn't too expensive and could successfully do narrow rows, we'd certainly be interested. Yeah, so it, it, it's a it, yeah. The crop competition certainly has has helped. 
yeah, awesome. And you mentioned in the presentation there that you're not seeing that many weeds at harvest time and so harvest weed seeding control is not necessarily on your radar at this point in time. You're pretty. How are you feeling about that going forward? Do you think you would change that at all or do you think you're pretty right in, do you think you're pretty on top of the weeds at the moment? Well, I, I'm interested in it. I, I, I see it as a, it has a place. There might be a year where I, I do need it. At the moment, we're doing good enough weed control that weed seed at harvest is, is not an issue but I'm not saying it won't become one in the future it has been one in the past but at the moment we're going okay. That's really good to hear good that you're on top of everything and that it's yeah if you're really innovative and using the tactics that you can that you're getting a really low weed burden at harvest lots of flies around here. Um, now um, how have you found the event so far at Weed Smart Week? Uh, it was really good yesterday morning was more I didn't learn too much more but it was re- really uh, reaffirming that I'm on the right track. A lot of the things that were said, I'm sort of doing. So that's still best practice. That's always nice to hear. And then yesterday afternoon with the spot spray, and we haven't, we haven't gone into that yet. That was really interesting and very informative. It was very good. It was well worth the afternoon. Yeah, so you're thinking that might be a technology you would adopt in the future? Yes. Maybe? <laughs> it, it's, it, it's a technology. Um, I was almost more confused after it. It was, it was uh, there's so many options that I didn't know were out there. And I think it's, I'm going to sit on my hands for a couple of years and let it all pan out. But I think there's going to be some very exciting things here in the future. Yeah, it was a really interesting presentation yesterday and yeah, lots of options. So it does make it hard, but I think, yeah, that's the right approach. Well, thank you so much for having us on your property and yeah, having a chat with us for the podcast. Oh, thank you. I'm standing here with Sam Bradford from Arcturus Downs. How are you going, Sam? Yeah, very well. Thanks, Jess. Yep. Thanks so much for having us on your property. Can you just give us a little bit of detail about your farming system? It's a pretty standard farming operation here. We're a a minimum till dryland cropping and irrigation property, running cattle as well. But what we looked at today was just mainly our our dryland winter winter wheat operation. And we've just been playing around with rose postings and uh, looking at how much they affect uh, weed germination and whether there's a visual um, noticeable difference in um, weed control. We're getting towards the end of our season here. It's crops all flowered and um, out in head, so we won't sort of know final results until we put the header in the paddock and to see what see what sort of changes there are. But yeah, we like to keep it keep our operation as simple as possible. But yeah, just looking at, at any little things that we can do to improve our our system. Yeah, we'll have to check in with you and see how you go with those results. So what are some of the other weed control tactics you've been using on farm? So over the past oh, 10 years we've been learning as we go a fair bit I suppose but we've implemented, I've trialled and implemented many different control methods. We we're, um, use a wide range of weed control systems that include use of residual herbicides, just straight out knockdown herbicides strategic cultivation I yeah. suppose is the term <laughs> given to it nowadays and also yeah rotations of different crops so we can manage weeds in in crop as well as fallow and as Paul McIntosh has, has talked about during the during the seminar it's all about using a wide range of techniques to to control weeds you're not just locked into only one method so we we use whatever we can at the time to to get things under control. Yeah, so you're adapting as you go. And so aside from the row spacing, is there something you're thinking about adapting in the future potentially in terms of weed control? Well, we have used a limited amount of this weed IT technology and we've also early adopters of the robotic technology. 
So that's something we'll probably will be looking at in the future. Most of that is is related to cutting down at costs, which we're always trying to do. But yeah, trying to use less chemicals, be a bit more environmentally friendly, of course. So that's yeah, that's something that's probably going to be a much bigger part of our operation in the future. Yeah, very cool. And more generally, what are some of the challenges of farming in in this region? Oh, just the <laughs> the variability of climate and rainfall. We've been very very fortunate this year. We're having a reasonable season. We're living off the back of cyclone rain we got earlier in the year, which has allowed us a full plant for our dryland operation, and we captured a little bit of water for our irrigation farm. So yeah, it's it's business as usual, I suppose, as we as we're going forward. Excellent, great to hear. And what about your thoughts on Weed Smart Week coming to CQ? What are your thoughts? Oh, I think it's a fantastic thing. It's just great to get a few growers, but also um, yeah, um, professionals and consultants and things out in the field, see what people do in different parts of Australia. Central Queensland is probably one of the lesser-known jewels in the farming regions of Australia, and it's, um, it's good to get people up here and see what, see what this, this part of the world is like. Definitely. We've enjoyed coming here in your hospitality. Thanks very much. No problem. Anytime. I'm standing here with Matt Anning at Cedar Park, which is owned by Colorado Cotton. And we've just had a demonstration from Auto Weed, but we're going to find out a little bit more about the farming system here. How are you going, Matt? Good, thanks. Yeah. Thanks so much for having us today. Can you just tell us a little bit about the farming system you're running here? Okay. Uh, farming system here, it's a yeah, dryland farm. Uh, Central Highlands in Queensland, yeah, farming both winter and summer crops, wheat and chickpea in the winter and sorghum and dryland cotton in the summertime. Yeah, we're just trying to get the best out of everything. Yeah, no worries. And uh, just before when you were chatting with the crowd, it was mentioned that there's quite a few different soil types around this area, which is maybe one of the challenges that's different to some of the other farming areas in Australia. Could you give some context around that? Yeah. Yeah, well, locally here we've got... Yeah, a handful of different soil types. We've got black down soil, uh, red scrub soil, uh, red loam soil. Yeah, different brigalow soils, coolabar soils. Yeah, they all have their different characteristics. Yeah, you've just got to pick pick the best parts of the paddock and maybe go with that. Or um, yeah, but the the worst parts maybe they do need special attention to keep on top of everything. Yeah. So how do you go with your weed control here? What do you, what are the tactics that you're using? Yeah, we try and incorporate using um, pre-emergence where we can, suiting where we can, but also keeping in mind we're not locking ourselves out. If things go wrong from missing a crop due to um, lack of rain or whatever. Yeah, and it's definitely helped. We've been looking after things here for about three years now. So, yeah, we're trying to reel it in from the uh, condition the farm was in when we took over and, um, yeah, get on top of everything and um, things are really changed around. Yeah, so what were some of the weed burdens that uh, were here when you first started managing the property? Yeah, feathertop rosegrass, bald sunflowers, uh, Johnson's grass or sorghum melon are some of the bigger problems for this farm. And yeah, we always keep it in mind and um, do our best to uh, get on top of it. Yeah, so when we're thinking about like big six tactics, which are herbicide and non-herbicide, so you mentioned they're using preems. What are some of the other tactics that you guys are using? Yeah, we have done a strategic Kelly chain uh, 12 months ago to yeah, just reset the country for a few things, weeds, levelling out from erosion and yeah. In terms of any other challenges that you guys have here that might be different to other parts of the country, would you like to just to give a bit of like background on some of the uh, details around managing the farm? 
So I guess here in central Queensland, yeah, we're a summer dominant rainfall, but we still have the ability to farm all year round with summer and winter crops. So, you know, we rely on that good summer rain to build soil moisture and, you know, just hope for minimal winter rainfall to, you know, get crops established and um, keep them ticking over until they can tap into that deep moisture and give us something back. Yeah, for sure. And in terms of Weed Smart Week, what are your thoughts around uh, this event coming to CQ? Yeah, it's really good. Been able to take a lot home and yeah, hope to broaden our view on the big six and yeah, keep chipping away at being on top of things. Were there any uh, technologies that kind of stood out for you that you are considering maybe adapting to this farming system? Yeah, we've reviewed the weed it before and it's probably still pointing towards a fit for us. Yeah, we've just got to get things straightened out on the farm, otherwise I think we would break it. Uh, we've got a lot of erosion issues that yeah. need fixing, yep. and yeah, it's, it's definitely on the wish list and something we're building towards. Alright, well thank you so much for having us, and great to chat with you. Yeah, thanks a lot. We're at Don Sampson's property, a family farm, and we've just seen a blade plough demonstration, but first we're going to find out a little bit more about Don's farming system. How are you going, Don? Not bad, thank you. Thanks so much for having the Weed Smart crew here. We really appreciate it. Now, before we get into it for the listeners, can you just tell us a little bit more about where we are and your farming system? Northeast of Emerald, and uh, about 30k, and we're just a general cropping farm. Yeah. That's all we do. And uh, what do, what were we looking at today? Because we ha- you've got a big 70-foot blade plough. Can you just tell us a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a blade plough with straight blades between two, two tines. And uh, it's just, just like a cutter bar. And uh, that's about, yeah, they're 10-foot sections. And, uh, yeah, we pull it about 8.5 kilometres an hour. Yeah, 73-foot wide, so... You can get over a bit of country. Yeah, it's pretty massive. Now, can you tell us what, because uh, you guys developed this yourself, didn't you? Can you tell us why you put it together? Well, we started in the mid-90s when the droughts were on. And we made one with the spring curly tines with straight blades. And this is the second version. We've tried to develop it a bit more. And what kind of benefits have you seen from using it and the changes you've made over the years? Well, it's a lot cheaper than spraying and uh, it kills all the weeds. Well, the way we use it is, if we've got some weeds that haven't died properly, and sweet summer grass is one of the main problems we've got, uh, we'll go back in with this. You need probably two or three inches of dry soil, and uh, then it'll work perfectly. It works ideally in the situation where it's too hard to spray or too hot or whatever, and it fits in ideally behind the boom spray. Okay, perfect. And are there any downsides to using it? Not a lot that I can think of. Some say you shouldn't rip up the ground. Well, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of things you shouldn't do. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Okay. And what other weed control tactics are you using on the farm? Uh, We normally spray, but we've got the, like, feathertop rose grass and sweet summer grass that we're having trouble killing. And that was one of the main objects behind this. Well, the main object probably was weed resistance. We've got weed resistance. Summer grass we can't kill with Roundup. Yeah. And feather top, well, it's pretty hard to kill anyway. 
Yeah, okay. A few of the people in the crowd were asking whether you used residuals and things like that. Uh, is there anything you're going to change in your farming system in the future, do you think, or are you kind of happy with where you're at at the moment? Well, I'm pretty happy with where we're at at the moment. Residuals are a good option, but uh, I tend to keep away from them because it restricts what I want to do further down the track sometimes. Yeah, OK. That's the main reason we haven't used a lot. And what about any of the other weed control tactics, any other non-herbicide control tactics that you're considering using, like harvest weed seed control or anything like that? Uh, yeah, that could be a proposition, yeah. Probably haven't got a lot of weeds in the crop, but I suppose it could be a proposition down the track. Yeah, like uh, in the wheel tracks, dropping the straw in the wheel tracks could be an option. Okay, yeah. cool. And what are your thoughts on Weed Smart Week so far? You attended the forum day yesterday. You asked quite a few questions, which was great. What were your thoughts on yesterday? I think it was very good, yeah. And uh, this is what we need, you know, to get out and explain the facts, what they are. And, uh, you know, we know we're all having trouble. Was there anything in particular you took away from yesterday that stood out? It was a good day because we got all those different speakers together and we got a better insight to a broader range of stuff. Yeah, definitely. Mm. All right, well, thank you so much, Don. Really appreciate it. And, yeah, really enjoyed the demonstration as well. That was great. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you very much to all the presenters from Weed Smart Week Emerald. We heard from a few of them there. There was lots of them, though, and thank you to them all. Weed Smart Week would not be the event it was without their contribution, so thank you so much. We've got one final interview, and it's with GRDC's Jason Ems, and so great that he was able to attend the whole event, and Vicky Green from GRDC was also at the event. We do encourage, you know, if you're from industry, come along as well. It's a farmer and agronomist event, and it's also great if you're in industry to come along and see what's happening out there. Pete, one final plug for Weed Smart Week in Horsham next week and I think Jason's comments will just really sum up why people should come along. But Pete, I just wanted to mention again that you are doing that Harvester Workshop next week with Martin Reichel at Horsham Weed Smart Week. Can you just remind us what you're going to be doing at that workshop? Yeah, we're, we're very grateful. I think we've got four harvesters of different colours with different fronts and we're going to talk a lot about the efficiency of harvest, how to harvest efficiently with minimal losses and then get those weed seeds into the harvest weed seed control tool of choice. Martin has travelled out from Germany uh, to be with us and uh, he... Yeah, he knows a whole lot more about harvesters than I do, Jess, so I'm really looking forward to learning from him. And we'll also talk a lot about those harvest weed seed control tools as well. So, yeah, that'll be uh, really good fun. I've done some of those workshops myself in WA, and uh, I think, yeah, we'll, we'll really that'll be a really good practical day and yeah, good to hear from Martin and growers to, about, about how we can really get our harvesters working for us. Definitely. All right, well, let's take a listen to the interview with Jason Ems. This is on the last day of weed Smart Week in Emerald and he's going to take it home for us and explain why it's such a great event to attend. Let's take a listen. I'm standing here with Jason Ems and we're at Swarm Farm just seeing a demonstration of the weed chipper but Jason we've been lucky to have you for the whole of the Emerald Weed Smart Week event. Firstly how are you going? Yeah excellent thanks Jess great to be up here. Yeah we're really glad you could come along. Now what are your thoughts on uh, the whole event first? Oh I think it's been fantastic two and a half days it's really great to hear the same consistent message just around diversity and just making sure we've got a lot of different tools in our toolbox in terms of weed management tactics and not just having them sitting in the toolbox for a rainy day or when things get bad but actually getting them implemented all the time is really really important so it's been great to hear that message over the three days yeah excellent 
And what did you take away from the forum day? That was the sort of the day where we saw all the presentations uh, and everyone was sort of very engaged and stuff. What, what did you take away from that day? Yeah, it was really great to hear a range of different speakers and some of those speakers weren't from CQ, so I thought that was really interesting for the for the locals and everybody who turned up just to hear that different perspective from different areas. But again, the themes and the messages were very consistent and the engagement was really good from everybody. So I think that's, that's been a big highlight of the whole three days. It's just the engagement between everybody's been really great. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, excellent opportunity to network and share ideas. And then yesterday we had some farm visits. What did you take away from those farm visits? Oh, I think it's just great to get out there and um, kick the dirt and have a look at things. I think that's really popular with everybody. Again, that creates a lot of engagement, a lot of conversation just out in the paddock was really good and for people like me who's not from CQ just a real great opportunity to get up here and see something different and it's a been a real opener it's been great yeah and did you get a get a chance to chat with some of the the local growers and agronomists and get their feedback yeah so absolutely and it's been good to get a different perspective and and get their ideas and also just hear about their challenges in terms of weed management and potentially where you know geo DC can target investment to try and help those type of issues. Uh, it's been really great. There's nothing like getting out and actually talking to, to growers about their issues. Yeah, definitely. And Jason, without GRDC's uh, financial support and support in general for WeSmart, these kind of events wouldn't happen. So we're so grateful that you're able to come along and uh, grateful for GRDC's investment and the st- all the stakeholders' investments because it's been such a great, another great WeSmart Week event here in Emerald. No, thanks, Jess. It's been been great, and it's it's. The WeedSmart team's done a great job and also um, Central Queensland Grower Solutions Group's just been integral to the whole event uh, being such a success. Thanks very much, Jason. (laughs) Thanks, Jess. Thank you so much to Jason Ems there for summing up why Weed Smart Week is such a great event to attend. Uh, just a reminder to get your tickets for Horsham. There is still time. It is happening next Tuesday, so make sure you jump onto our website. There's an events tab and just head straight to Weed Smart Week in Horsham and you can get your tickets through there. Uh, Pete, thank you so much for joining me for the podcast once again and thank you to all of the people who made this podcast so special, all of the uh, attendees and presenters who agree to be interviewed by me. I really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, really looking forward to Horsham next week. Yeah, and great job getting all those interviews, Jess. It really sums up the week for everyone that couldn't make it. And uh, if hopefully we can put together a similar package for uh, the Horsham event. Oh, definitely. <laughs> definitely we'll be doing that. <laughs> and uh, there is also, if you head to that same events page, I've got all the content for Emerald Weed Smart Week in the event page for Emerald Weed Smart Week, which is in that same section to get your Horsham tickets. So if you wanted to look through the photos or watch the presentations from the day there, I'll also be putting the podcast there too as well as in its normal home on the podcast page so but all the content will be in that one spot for you to have a look if you were hoping to attend or didn't attend or you wanted to reflect on the day so just head there and have a look but until next time Pete thank you so much yeah thanks Jess we'll see you in Horsham yes